welcome to the Poetry Exchange. I'm Fiona Bennett and this is when you would usually hear another voice saying and I'm Michael Schaefer. Um, Michael is away and busy with some acting work at the moment. Um, if you were listening to the last episode you'll have heard that update. He's appearing in a play at the Orange Tree Theatre and he's busy there tonight as I record this. So we'll let him get on with that and um, I shall talk to you alone, which is wonderful actually. It's rather nice to have a, not that I, you know, obviously I'm missing him, um, but it's really nice to have the chance to be able to maybe uh, use this little bit of time with you to, to share a few thoughts and a few, hopefully some useful, some useful things to share. Uh, the first of those relates to Michael actually in that I've discovered that there is actually a live stream of the play that he's in, Tom Fool, which is at the Orange Tree Theatre in Richmond. But if you're not in London and you'd be interested to see it, you should be able to, um, if they haven't sold out already, get yourself a live stream ticket for April the 7th, I think it is. So take a look at the website there um, for details on that. I'm sure world events are very much on everyone's mind and um, there are lots of ways that I know people have been getting involved and uh, finding ways to donate and to support and stand in solidarity with the people of Ukraine. And um, I just wanted to mention that I know there's an event coming up on March the 27th, Poets for Ukraine, which is being held both as a live event and an online one as a fundraiser to get vital supplies to people there. And I think the best way to find out more about that, it's, it, it's kind of under the banner of Poets for Ukraine. And if you go to the GoFundMe website, you'll be able to find a way to make a donation and also information about getting the link for the event itself. So it's a, it's a poemathon. That's to be more specific, which basically means there's a fantastic community of poets who've come together and who will be reading alongside one another um, a, a host of terrific poets. So a chance to hear some great voices and some great words and to also be in community and solidarity and to raise some funds. So March the 27th, Poets for Ukraine, GoFundMe website will give you the information it's wonderful to be able to bring another conversation from our time at the National Centre for Writing in Norwich back in the autumn. And um, this was one that was extremely moving and uplifting and really captured our day um, when we spent time with our guest. And so we've been wanting to share it with you and it actually just feels that now is exactly the right moment to share this poem and this conversation. And it does in fact feature a poem that we have featured before on in fact two other episodes and I will say a bit more about that afterwards but it says something for the poem of course and also the power of poetry to reach us in many different ways that this was a really significant conversation and one that resonated with the others but also very much stands in its own space. So you'll be listening to myself and Michael talking about 
The Lake Isle of Innisfree by W.B. Yeats, the poem that's been a friend to Sue. She's got a whole folder and everything. How amazing. <gasps> Thank you so much. Ah. It's been... Now, I know it's been done... You've done it at once, maybe more. I don't know. Sue asked me the question. She said, does it matter if it's been done before? And I said... <laughs> no. Absolutely not at all. Definitely not. Because it's not been done by you. Exactly. Okay. And that's how I came to it, was through ah. a poetry exchange. Ah. <gasps> is that right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, this that's is good. This is already maybe exciting. Maybe three, three years ago, something like that. Lovely. Will you give it a read for us, Sue? <clears throat> yes. I will arise and go now, and go to Innisfree, and a small cabin build there, of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows will I have there, a hive for the honey bee, and live alone in the bee-loud glade. And I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow, dropping from the veils of the morning to where the cricket sings. There midnight's all a glimmer, and noon a purple glow, and evening full of the linnet's wings. I will arise and go now, for always night and day, I hear lake water lapping with low sounds by the shore. While I stand on the roadway, or on the pavement's grey, I hear it in the deep heart's core. Do you know what? I'm going to get some tissues. I'm going to say now, I've been thinking about this, oh. because I this poem just makes me really emotional, so I'm going I might just need a little Any one of us might need them. Well, I'm sure one will be fine. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to have a complete meltdown. (laughs) (laughs) So, that's interesting, because you said that you, you, you... Did you first encounter it through the Poetry Exchange? Yes. I'd never seen the poem before. Okay, great. And this one just jumped out at me, literally stopped me in my... Mm. in my tracks mm. and um, in fact I pretty much immediately went and c- kind of copied the poem out because I wanted to have it printed out in front of me so that I could read it mm. never done that with a poem before why did it leap out at you what, what is it about it just every single word feels just perfectly chosen and perfectly placed and it was that sense of sanctuary that I felt the poem created so beautifully and I at the time was working as a civil funeral celebrant and so for me there's a kind of complicated but beautiful connection between a place of sanctuary and death and nature and life Mm -hmm. that's wrapped up in this poem in some way it was about having a beautiful, safe space to go to. And um, you see, I said I'd get tearful. Mm. I don't know why. Mm. And I think it's because um, no, it's okay. just so beautiful. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you so much for giving us that context of relationship with it. I was actually going to ask if you could just maybe tell us a little bit more about that. I think I have a sense of what that is, mm. but I'm mm. not entirely clear on it a civil Mm. funeral celebrant is that 
Yes, so it's not quite the same as a humanist celebrant, which is something perhaps people might be more familiar with. Mm. So I conduct a funeral ceremony that is not religious, but it's not exclusive of religious references. I kind of sit between what a vicar or a priest might do and a humanist, Mm. but I go and spend time with the family or whoever is arranging the service. It's not always... a family member, mm. and find out about the person that's died, find out what they want for the, the service, and then write the ceremony from beginning to end. So there's no, there are no set words, no fixed phrases that I have to use. There are no rules whatsoever. It's all about what's right for that person and that family. What a so. thing to do. I absolutely love it with a passion and I feel extraordinarily privileged when I'm Mm -hmm. doing that work Mm -hmm. and it brings me very close to death and yet it's all about the people that are living Mm -hmm. as well. Really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Is it too much of a stretch to kind of equate the safe space that you've spoken about in the poem and there is a literal space here of the small cabin with the safe space that you're creating in your work as a celebrant. Hmm. That's interesting. I th- I th- perhaps think so. I, th- I think the cabin feels so personal here because the poet talks about not finding a cabin by the lake but building a cabin hmm. and cr- creating it. And so perhaps that, yes, perhaps that is something that, that I do is create that safe space. But... I think for me it's, it is important in this poem that there is that building of a small cabin and planting the beans and looking after the, the hive with the bees. That's, so it's not a safe space where nothing is happening, mm. but it's very purposeful, mm. purposeful toil that is at the same time peaceful and and deeply personal yes that beautiful mix of something being alive and vibrant and peaceful it's not a still piece there's movement and there's nourishment going on in there Mm. as well isn't there yes and the i think the the line that kind of really gets me is that one and live alone in the bee loud glade that sound of bees and being in a beautiful place i've always had that a kind of response to that line but I haven't quite before had that real connection to it being you know where the acoustic changes because you are separated somehow Mm. but you're making this extraordinary connection that there's this sort of separating element that is part of what what happens at death obviously you know Mm. well the strange thing is is that almost all my life I've been really afraid of death kind of consciously afraid of death you know in something that I've thought about and found really really difficult and been very fearful and actually uh, this poem helps me to reconcile that in some way Mm -hmm. and and funnily enough doing this work as a civil funeral celebrant because often people say oh isn't that a bit depressing isn't that you know funerals it's difficult and i I've never found that 
difficult in terms of my relationship with death and it's actually doing that work has really moved my thinking on and helped me kind of become more at peace with the idea mm. of death than, than I ever thought I would be and and this poem has been a really powerful part of that. It always slightly takes me by surprise the last two lines of the poem while I stand on the roadway or on the pavement's grey, I hear it in the deep heart's core. That I always go, oh yeah, oh he's not actually, yeah, he's saying all of this stuff, he, I'm saying it's a he, from the position of someone that's not there, mm. you know, but he's, he's in the city somewhere or he's, you know. Mm. So he's creating, you know, I hear it in the deep heart's core, that space for, for the person is inside of them. Exactly. And that's why I f just find it so emotional. And, and I think I used that word serenity earlier. So it is all, for me, it's all about that. And I think for me, there have been many, many times in my life where I've needed to, to find that inner peace somehow. <laughs> oh dear. Um, just because everything, everything that's going on outside is so kind of crazy. Mm. Mm. And so to just kind of reach inside and find, find that stillness. Mm. 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 <laughs> it's yeah. okay. It's and mm -hmm. people do that through people do that through meditation often don't they i've tried that i'm not very good at that um, <laughs> <laughs> um but i have you know i think that, that last verse those la those last four lines there's something in there for me that is almost like a the sound that i hear is almost like a a ticking clock so that I hear lake water lapping that I imagine that as a repetitive sound that is almost like the sound of time passing mm. or a ticking clock mm. and so there's there is a kind of inevitability about this poem in some way for me there is an inevitability about death and these last few lines are kind of acknowledging that you might not be in this be loud glade in your cabin now mm. but actually it can be there for you when you need it yeah there's a kind of um there's a power in this poem to invoke it mm. you know i will arise and go now i wonder if that's part of why it's so moving for you as well is that it's it's saying you can you can take this up if you want to. Mm. It's got agency. Mm. Mm. Yes, and that's why when I first read the poem, I immediately had to print it out because I wanted it physically available to me to read and to, as, as a reminder mm. of exactly that. Mm. And although I only f came to this poem relatively recently, I just had this sense that it's that it's always been there and there's a sense that 
I can kind of apply it retrospectively. Mm. <laughs> um, and, and yes, that feeling of choice mm. that's there right in that first line of making a decision that I'm going to go now mm. to this place is mm. really important. And I, I, th- I guess I wanted that reminder that I can have this place. Yes, the reminder to you that you can have it and the actual embodiment of it. Mm. You know, the printing Mm. off is also going, it's present, it's here. You know, it's Mm. not difficult Mm. to reach for in a way. Mm. You've spoken a little bit about how this has changed the way you think about death. I was just wondering if you could say a bit more about maybe, maybe that and maybe other ways in which the experience of doing this work has changed you, impacted upon you, affected you? So however difficult the circumstances might have been around somebody's death, and I've found it very thought-provoking, quite challenging at times, but never never depressing, never, they never make me feel afraid being in those circumstances with, with a family. Um, because I feel my responsibility to them overrides that. Mm. But afterwards, and and kind of cumulatively, the reflections about people's lives, the way other people think about someone that has died, mm. I suppose has has made me think more about my relationships, and what kind of person I am, what kind of thing people will remember me for. You know, what am I leaving behind? Does it matter if I don't leave anything? So thinking about those things, but I feel I can think about those things in a kind of calm way without a sort of panic or fear mm-hmm. driving those and just kind of consider those questions. And to be able to think about it. Yes. As opposed to react to the fear of it which again takes me back to the poem of I will arise and go now and this this willingness to look into something that's part of our life is our death yes yeah it's a it's a big it's a big area we're not Mm. just in a big area personally about life and death it's culturally Mm. I'm very Mm. interested in the Mm. way you're speaking and Mm. and what you're bringing in holding these ceremonies in the way that you do. I'm sure you're doing something extremely distinctive um, in terms of what's available culturally for people. Well, I'm I'm constrained, actually, by the the length of time that's available. So one of the challenges for anybody conducting a funeral service or ceremony in a typical crematorium Is the length of time and often it's 25 minutes which is such a short short time and part of what my job is is to create the sense that we have all the time in the world mm. in that room and to say everything that needs to be said and that I enjoy that challenge mm. but I I think what I said in the earlier about the poem for me that that lake water lapping Mm. that kind of repetitive gentle sound is something to me about time Mm. and 
I would love that to change. Mm. I would love to be able to say to, to families, well, how long do we think we need? And we'll mm. craft the ceremony mm. around mm. that. Or, you know, what do you want what do you want to do and say and hear and mm. think? Mm. And we'll create the time mm. for that to happen. Mm. Mm. I think there is a revolution in the funeral industry mm. that could happen in terms of people understanding that actually there are no rules, really. Well, very, very few rules about how you have a funeral. So mm. if you want to have a funeral in a garden or in a village hall and put the coffin that you've made yourself in the back of a van and take it to that place and have, you know, have a kind of party for three hours. If that's what you want to do, there's no law that says you can't. Mm. Um, but people don't really realise that and we don't have that culture here. Mm. So there is something about our traditions here, very, very fixed about how we handle death and how mm. we have funerals. They've kind of evolved with that kind of Western Christian tradition. Mm. Um, and there is room for, for change. Mm. So tell me, have you ever thought about making this space uh, a real space for yourself? Have you ever thought about, you know... A cabin. The, the cabin. <laughs> I mean, I think about it all the time. It's, yeah. it's really, I suppose, why I'm asking. <laughs> this poem is a friend to me. I've been introduced to lots of friends through this process. But but this one, very much so. And when I, uh, you know, I, I, I have a van instead of a cabin. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things that, that I particularly love about going out in my van is being out in nature and listening. Yeah. And this line comes to me in these moments about peace comes dropping slow. And I feel it in my body. I, I feel peace come dropping slow within my body and often it's through the act of listening mm. and so I'm always fantasising about having the cabin do you ever actually think about making it a real space for yourself? Yes and no so, <laughs> so my husband and I are thinking about moving, selling a house my husband is a real kind of country man you know he's very you know Suffolk stock and wants to have his little place with some land, having a bit of land on which he can have animals is really important to him. And he's not many years away from retiring. And so this is that's an active conversation about having that space. And actually, probably for both of us, the actual property is not that important. Mm. What's more mm. important is where it is and the land around it. Mm. Um, so we, we'd be quite content with a very small, humble property, maybe a cabin. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, we'd, mm. we're not that interested in the sort of material, fancy kitchens and five bedrooms and three bathrooms, all that mm. kind of thing. We, we'd be happy with a humble place with maybe a couple of acres of land in which mm. to play with nature. So that's interesting. I hadn't mm. made that connection before. I think the other thing to say, well, the reason I said yes and no was the other thing is that I do consciously, as much as I can, enjoy those little moments throughout my week. I walk a dog most days, if not every day. I do consciously make the effort to just stop and look and listen, and even if it's just for 
20 seconds mm. and just to allow that maybe it is that piece dropping slow in every every day every day as mm. much as i can so mm. it's not necessarily about the physical place but mm. it's about again it's about reaching in and finding that mm. stillness through through a connection with with nature mm. The Lake Isle of Innisfree I will arise and go now and go to Innisfree and a small cabin build there of clay and wattles made nine bean rows will I have there and a hive for the honey bee and live alone in the bee loud glade and I shall have some peace there, for peace comes dropping slow, dropping from the veils of the morning to where the cricket sings. There, midnight's all a glimmer, and noon a purple glow, and evening full of the linnet's wings. I will arise and go now, for always, night and day, I hear lake water lapping with low sounds by the shore, while I stand on the roadway or on the pavement's grey, I hear it in the deep heart's core. So that was the gift reading of The Lake Isle of Innisfree by W.B. Yeats. Our thanks to, I want to say our thanks to W.B. Yeats for that poem. Um, it is just, yeah, it's such a powerful piece and it's actually wonderful to be uh, able to share the poem with that line, for peace comes dropping slow and to, and to be putting that out at the moment feels very, very, very timely, I suppose, in its own way. Our enormous thanks to Sue for the conversation. With so many deep and rich dimensions that were very particular and personal to her journey in her life, and which I'm sure also resonated with many of you, as it did with Michael and I when we spent time with her. So... I uh, would also say, if you haven't yet heard either of the other episodes that feature the Lake Isle, then do head there and find them. And actually, it's going to be easy for you to do that, to go and find those other two episodes featuring the poem, because we now have our episodes numbered. So uh, episode nine and episode 26, two very different conversations about the Lake Isle of Innisfree if you want to get some more of that poem and some different perspectives. So it would be a good time of the year to think about getting yourself some extra poetry books on your shelves. And I have got two to recommend. I've done that sort of advanced booking of book on two fantastic poetry volumes coming out in April and May that I thought I'd just offer up to you before I go and the first of those is 
the new collection coming from Paul Henry called As If To Sing. What a beautiful title. Uh, being published by Seren Books. And Paul is a fantastic poet. I'm sure many of you might know him. If you do, then you're going to want his latest collection. If you haven't yet met his work, I'm sure this is going to be a wonderful place to start. So head to Seren Books to get yourselves a copy of As If To Sing. And actually the other book I was going to mention is coming out in May, so I'll leave that till next time. So there you go, that's a teaser to join us again next month for more Poems as Friends. Until then, thank you for listening. Thank you.